we are starting a, a new season of the, of the year. This is uh, a season where we move from, we've kind of celebrated Christmas. Kind of, if you think through the, the kind of the cycle of the year, we celebrated Christmas. We anticipated Christmas. We, we celebrated light that has been revealed to us and then shines through us. And then now, um, and after the echoes of Christmas, we, we now prepare for uh, prepare for Easter, right? It's, we're just we're moving into a season. It's a season called Lent. Um, for some of you, you've maybe heard the the, the term Lent. Is it's, it's like this is a season where you give something up, right? So for some of us, we have seen, or maybe some of us have done this. Um, we've seen like, well, on, you know, you're posting on Facebook. It's Lent, so I'm going to give up. I've seen Diet Coke that's been given up. Uh, I've seen people give up Facebook for Lent, but the way that you give up Facebook, the, the first step, you guys seen this, is, is to post on Facebook that you're giving up Facebook, for, <laughs> right? Then they get a step away, so therefore I must make sure everybody knows that they're not going to see me on here. You can't just like not log in for 40 days. You have to like make it clear. Um, but Lent is a season, and this is why you look at the video, you look at the way that uh, we're, we're posturing ourselves. Lent is a season to, to be quiet a little bit. To, to rest and reflect, to allow God to do a, a work to, to recalibrate us. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to celebrating, right? We're going to celebrate in just a few weeks in the, in the program. There's a, a little note that says Palm Sunday, which is the first Sunday of April. We're going to gather together for one service uh, at Soldatna High School. We're going to do one big celebration service, and we have some really great things planned for, for what that time will look like. But for us, we're, you know, it's three services. We don't always get to meet everybody. We don't always get to experience what it's like to, to worship as a gathered body, all together, all as, as one, one group. So Palm Sunday, uh, we're not going to be here. We're going to be uh, at Soldatna High School. And then Easter Sunday, we'll be back here, and we're going to celebrate together. So, so two really great times to celebrate. Uh, we're going to look on Palm Sunday just about the journey that God has taken us on and, and dream a little bit about what's to come and, and celebrate what has happened and, and use that as like, this is what I think God's, what's, what God's doing. And uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a, a time to, to pause and celebrate. But for this season and the season of Lent, these next, these next few weeks as we prepare for those moments, this is a, a chance for us to, to, be, to be reflective, right? To actually listen, to, to allow God to do a recalibration in us. I think a lot of times we actually don't pause, right? We, we see the, like the video we just watched and some of those statements, it's like, can we listen, right? Can we slow down a little bit? Can we, can we take a break from all the doing and, and just be for a little bit and allow, allow God to, to speak to us? And so this season is a season for us to do that. In some ways, it's a season even to um, confront some things in us that shouldn't be there, right? So to confront some things that, that are maybe broken that, so that we're reminded that we need a Savior, right? To, to come to Easter without recognizing that we have a deep, deep need to be saved, right? That, that what God did was not because we already had it all figured out, that he was just kind of coming along and, and affirming us in that, but that we were deeply and desperately in need of a Savior, Right, that the cross doesn't make a whole lot of sense until we understand how deeply we needed it. Instead of saying, what does it look like? If you talk about Lent, I'm going to give up Diet Coke, or I'm going to give up Facebook, but to say, what is it that I'm supposed to take hold of? What is it that, that God is trying to teach me in this season? To recognize that it's not just about giving something up, but there's a reason why we would do that. A reason that, um, that, that for us to, to learn something from giving something up, to recognize that, that maybe God is trying to prepare us for battles that are yet to come, right? To, to in some ways, to, to have a, a sense of control, right? For some of us, I know, man, I see the prayer requests. I spend time talking with you guys that, that there are things that we're walking through that are a fight, that are a battle. And it's like, we didn't choose this. 
right? We didn't choose some of the, 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 the illnesses that we're fighting through or the struggles, the relationship issues, all those kinds of things. We didn't choose this battle, right? We have to figure out a way forward in the midst of it. But, but Lent, this season of saying, how do I let go of some things? What does it look like for me to, to quiet, to, to allow God to do a work in me? And in some ways is, is a controlled fight, right? It's a controlled fight of us getting over ourselves, it's in some ways a training ground. In some ways, it's, it's us proactively choosing to fight a particular battle, saying, God, what is it you're trying to do? How do I get in on what you're trying to do? God, how can in this season, for, for the next 40 days as we prepare for Easter, as we prepare for this huge celebration, right? It's the big moment for us. And we look at that and we say, God, what is it you're wanting to do in us in preparation? What is it that you want to do as we spend time in this season of listening, this season of recalibration? To say we're going to choose some battles, right? We're going, to, we're going to learn what it looks like for us to fight and to fight well. The problem is, the problem is this, without an intentional time, right, there's a reason why we need seasons. There's a reason why we need to have these, like, these moments where we, we get intentional about some of the postures that we take. The, there's a reason why we, we need a time of reflection and recalibration because we don't normally stop. Right? We don't normally do recalibration. We don't normally just slow down and reflect on life and where we're heading and where we've been and, and all of those kinds of things. But the problem is if we don't. The problem is if we don't do that, if we don't lean into this season of, of allowing God to work in us, if we don't lean into this season of reflection and recalibration, what we find ourselves doing, spiritually speaking, is, is living a spiritual journey or walking a spiritual journey that's, that's based on our expectations, Right? or based on our emotions, based on how we feel about a particular circumstance or how we feel about how something makes us feel. Right? When we're stuck in, in the world of, of just saying, well, will God meet my expectations? Will, will it feel good if, if I move forward in this way? Or maybe I, don't have, I can't even get over my sense of this is what I want or what I, what I think I need. That if we can't get over that, then we're not ready to grow, let alone fight a battle, right? let alone fight to win. And so here we are as a people, without pausing and reflecting, without allowing God to do a recalibrating work in us, we find ourselves, um, we find ourselves playing a game, and it feels like the rules are changing all the time, right? Does it feel, you know what I'm talking about, where it's like, here, I'm trying to figure it out, I'm trying to move forward, I'm trying to, to, to kind of like get this spiritual thing right, and yet it feels like I just can't. Or it feels like every time I try and take a step forward, it feels like somebody's changing the rules, or, or somehow that the deck is stacked against us. In those honest moments that, that we, as we actually pause, maybe as we actually think about it, we start to maybe even think that we're being cheated. That's like, this is not working out like I'd like it to work out. This is not meeting my expectations, right? That, that I'm walking through things, or I'm going through things that, that are not what I want to go through. This doesn't even always feel good, right? Expectations and emotions. But in our most, our most honest moments, we feel cheated, and what that does is it leads us to thinking about spirituality in this way, that, that it seems like it's a struggle, right? It's a fight, but it's a, it's a fight or it's a struggle between us and God, right? That God is trying to do something or God is asking us to do something, and our job is to resist or somehow it's a battle of wills between us and God that, that we end up thinking that spirituality is a struggle between you and God, that God is trying to drag you out of brokenness, that God is trying to drag you out of certain behaviors, that God is trying to drag you out of a certain way of thinking. And, and you're digging in your heels and fighting that it becomes this, this battle between you and God that, that in some ways God is forcing you forward or, or dragging you forward. But maybe there's a better way, right? Maybe there's a better way to see it. Maybe there's a way to see it that, that looks more like what the, the journey actually is, to, to see it as, as you and God 
against the forces that seek to hold you back, right? To realize that you don't fight alone, to realize whose side God is actually on, to realize that, that it's you and God against the devil, right? One of the things that's, that's a little bit shocking in the passage we're going to spend time in this morning is that, is that it's talking about the devil, talking about Satan, talking about the, the, the force that, that stands against us as we seek to move forward. And I think a lot of times we don't talk about that often enough. It's like we, we deal with our own issues or we deal with these things and forget that there is a fight. There is, there is, there is a tempter that's prowling, that there is, there is someone who's, who's seeking to destroy us. And instead, we make it about a battle of wills between us and God. And so Matthew chapter 4, it's a story where Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. Uh, the, the, this story takes place between the time when Jesus was, was baptized and his identity is spoken over him by, by, by the Father and, and people hear this and then, and then Jesus withdraws into the wilderness in preparation for what we would understand to be his earthly ministry. Right? Those, that's the, 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 the years leading up to his crucifixion, the, the miracles and the teachings and all those kinds of things, but before, right, between the, the identity that's spoken over him, between the baptism and, and the start of his earthly ministry, Jesus withdraws into the wilderness Right, for a season of reflection and, 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 and listening. And it says this in verse 1 of, of Matthew chapter 4, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And so we see the setup of the story. You see that Jesus led by the Spirit, um, which, is, which reveals one of, maybe for me one of the most frustrating things about the spiritual journey. And it's this, that, that there is a link that there is a link between struggle and transformation, right? Wouldn't it be better, at least, at least preferable, I don't know if it's better, but it would be preferable if, if transformation always felt good, right? Wouldn't that be great if like the right step spiritually was like just an obvious choice that required nothing of us? It was like, oh, this is, this is easier. And this, like, this whole thing just got, simply, just got easier for me that, that it was such an obvious decision. It was so easy to make that choice because it was like, that's so easy, but there is this link between struggle and transformation. In some ways, that there is this, this link between, because there is tension that's created when we move forward. There is tension that's created when, when God gets a hold of us. But in this story, what we see is, is what's true for us too, is that God uses solitude. That God uses solitude to sometimes just surface the issues in our lives. Right? That it's like sometimes we spend time by ourselves or maybe for some of us we, we go out into the wilderness. Whether that's hiking or you know, hunting or fishing or whatever, we find ourselves by ourselves and, and we're just kind of like the quiet in the midst of a life that isn't usually all that quiet. And then we get to think, we get to listen, we get to, to process some things and it's like, man, why, why did my brain go there? Like, why, are, like, why is that the thing that I'm thinking about in this moment, that, that there's something about solitude, there's something about being alone or allow, allowing ourselves to be quiet that, that actually begins to surface some things that maybe God wants to work on in us. There's something powerful about that. A few weeks ago, we talked, uh, talking about community, talking about relationships, we talked Dietrich Bonhoeffer's quote, that it was, beware the man who can't who can't be alone because he's going to be toxic. I'm, this is my own paraphrase. Be toxic in community, right? Because there's things that have not yet been dealt with. There's things that, that still need to be dealt with and, and, and in the sense of there's some things that need to happen in solitude to prepare us for community. But after fasting for 40 days, Jesus is hungry, right? This would be the natural response to, to him being, having fasted that, that he's now hungry. And so what we see in this is, is that the devil then shows up when Jesus is at his low, 
right? That he's, he's at his weakest moment, that potentially he's at his most vulnerable, that the devil shows up when Jesus is at his weakest and his most vulnerable. For some of us, maybe we need to mark a little thing in our Bible or mark in our notes that, that helps us see that or understand that, that, um, that, man, it's not necessarily when we're at our strongest or when we're most ready to fight that the devil shows up, right? That, that it's when we're at our weak spots, that, that maybe when we're tired, when we're worn down, when we're at our most vulnerable, then it's in that that the, that the devil shows up to fight. Now, it could also be, I mean, the, other, the other side of it is sometimes it's when, we're, when we think we're at our strongest and our, our guard is down that the battle starts, right? That, that it's kind of like generally on one end of the other on, on that particular spectrum. But remembering that the, that the devil is a coward and the coward wants to fight when we're weak, right? When we're not ready, when we're, when we're in a position of vulnerability. So the tempter Verse 3, came to see him and said, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. That the conversation begins with a question, not just of, of dealing with his hunger, not just dealing with you know, the, turning these stones into, into bread, but, but it begins with a question of identity. Right? It begins with a question of, well, if you are who God said you are, then, then maybe you need to figure out a way to prove it. Right? Maybe you need to settle this thing once and for all. If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. That there's this, this temptation that's woven into this conversation. There's this temptation of, of wanting to prove it by, by some sort of outcome. There's a temptation to, to take the spiritual and make it purely practical. Right? That, that if this thing is, is something that God is doing, if there's something that, that's happening spiritually speaking, then, then it should have some sort of practical benefit. In other words, that, that if there's this thing that's happening spiritually, then why in the world are you hungry, right? Why in the world is there something, practically speaking, that, that, that isn't quite matching up with what seems to be happening spiritually? It's a temptation to choose satisfaction of hunger over spiritual growth. There's a temptation to make Jesus' ministry about himself, right? You, you look at, if you were looking at injecting a virus in a, in a particular moment that, that would cause trouble down the road, then, then maybe what the devil's doing in this moment is saying, well, Jesus, what, what, you know, why, not make, why not make your ministry, why not make your work in this world about you? Because everything about the way that Jesus lived and loved and led was selfless, right? What, what would it look like if at the very beginning of, the, of, of this particular arc of the story, what if you could just inject this, it's actually about you? Right? that it's actually about what you want. It's actually about what you feel. It's actually about what your expectations are. It's actually about dealing with the things that you are feeling. Can you imagine how much different the work of Jesus would have been had that temptation, the temptation to, to make it about himself, actually played out? Right? Jesus, fully God, fully man, was, was not just going through the motions in this temptation. He is, he is being tempted. Right? Fully God, fully man, experiencing what we experience as human beings when we are tempted. That, that here he is at the beginning of his earthly ministry with a question of what is it going to be that's going to shape his work moving forward? And then Jesus speaks. He responds. He says, It is written that man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, as he's leading the way for us, as he's teaching us what it looks like for us to stand in this kind of battle, for us to stand in the midst of, of this kind of circumstance, he's saying, look, the Bible, Scripture, is not just about, like, it's, it's not just a tool to learn about God, right? It's not just an interesting history book that, that tells us the story of some, some disciples that followed Jesus, that, that, that begin to, to tell a story that, that spread across the globe, that, that literally changed history, right? It's a, it's a fascinating history book. But it's not just that. It's also a weapon to fight against temptation. It's also a weapon that says, this is what is true. This is what's good. This is what is right. 
Jesus says, it is written. Right? You talk about identity, and Jesus says, there's, there's something deeper than just how I feel about myself. There's something deeper than, than what I'm simply experiencing in this moment, that, that it is written, it is settled. That man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That, that there are things that are just of this world, and there are things that are, that are better. That there, there are the things of this world that we can provide for ourselves, this bread. And that there are things that we can't. This is by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying we're better than just simply surviving, right? We're better than just simply trying to make it to tomorrow. That, that there might be seasons, there might be days where it's like, I just have to make it through. But Jesus says the, the reality is we are called to something more than that. We are called to thrive, right? We are called to, to not just simply survive. We're called to something better than just simply making sure that our stomachs are full of bread. He says, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, to live a life that's oriented around the word of God, to live a life that, that's not just about surviving, but it's about actually living out the purpose for which he was placed on this earth. So then the devil doesn't give up, right? There's a certain amount of persistence. It's not like there's just this, this one battle that settles it once and for all. The story continues, verse five. The devil took, took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and then again says, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. Again, taunting Jesus. Again, asking Jesus to, to, to take the temptation to prove himself. To, to question his identity. Right? To, to make it about him proving himself. We look at Jesus' story. We look at the way that Jesus is walking through this and what should be a pretty safe place for him. This is the holy city. This is the temple. This is kind of those places where you would think that it would be most obvious for him to win that battle in a simple kind of way. But here the devil is saying, maybe you need to question who you are, right? Are you really sure you are who you are? And then you maybe need to prove yourself. Make this whole thing about you proving yourself. Because if, if you are, then wouldn't God make your circumstances different, right? If you are the son of God, then wouldn't God, if you threw yourself off this temple, wouldn't, wouldn't God send his angels to make sure that you don't hit your foot against the ground? We apply it to our own lives and we start to ask those same kinds of questions or we hear, the, we hear those same kinds of whispers in our lives that, that sound like this, that, that, that if you are, or if you really were a follower of Jesus, if God had really forgiven you, right, if God really cared about you, then, then why would this happen? Right? Why would this happen? If, if you really are, then wouldn't you get things right? right? Wouldn't you not make mistakes? Wouldn't you not fail? If you really are, then wouldn't other people see it in you as well, right? Why would you have any questions? Why would other people question you? Shouldn't other people see this too? If you are, if you are, then, then wouldn't life be easier, right? It's a question of expectations. It's a question of, 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 of what you feel. It's a question of expectations and emotions. But I think for us to pause in this moment and, and remember that if the devil if the devil tried to get Jesus to doubt his identity, right? if the devil tried to get Jesus to doubt his identity and to allow his expectations and his present circumstances to shape his perspective, then we shouldn't be surprised. Right? We shouldn't be surprised when he tries to do the same to us. 
Does that make sense? That, that if that fight, if that battle over, over well, well, this is who you are, are you really who you think you are? Look, you're probably just a, you're a fraud, right? There's nothing that's, that's real about this thing. There's, you know, how could God care about you with, with everything you've done? How could God care about you with the mistakes that you seem to continue to make, with the battles that you're continuing to fight? And it's, it's this whisper that's, that's suggesting that you're not who you think you are. That God speaks an identity over you and through Jesus Christ and then, and then, and then the devil comes in and whispers those doubts. Should we be surprised that if the devil is going to go after Jesus in that way to say, well, make it about your, like, like, like doubt your identity, allow your expectations, allow your present circumstances to make you question God and God's care for you. Should we be surprised when, God, when, when the devil does exactly the same thing to us? But Jesus answers, Right again, he says, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Right? That could be partially like don't put yourself in situations that, that you shouldn't be in, right? God's like, oh come on. Are you seriously like you keep doing this over and over and over again? Um, we've we've done this. Like you're you're totally putting me to the test, right? You're you're putting yourself in situations you could you, you shouldn't be in. Or um, there's a, a version of putting God to the test that's us asking God to prove himself over and over and over again. Right? It's like this loop that keeps us from moving forward, that, that keeps us from even ever getting to the starting line, spiritually speaking, where it's like here we are spending our lives in this constant loop of, of doubt and proof, and then there's more doubt and there's proof, but it's, it's, there's no actual forward progress that's being made. There's like no impact on the world around us because we're just simply kind of like reflectively moving through this loop of doubt and proof and to recognize that the devil would love nothing more than to, to get us caught in that loop. The devil would love nothing more than, than for you to never make it to the starting line of what God is calling you to because you're just simply putting God to the test over and over and over again. Well, here's my question. If God can't prove himself, I'm gonna make God prove himself over and over and over again. That this is its own version, right? This is a version of spiritual defeat because it, it, it keeps us constantly looking for what we might think of as a full and final victory, the answer to all questions, that, that before we even start the journey, we wanna know that we've got everything figured out. And then we spend our lives never even making it to the starting line, right? Putting our, the Lord our God to the test. So then again, verse eight, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said, all of this, all of this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. Before we get further into this passage, I think we need to recognize that there is a danger that, that when worship becomes about what we want to receive, that we've got a problem, right? That, that if it's about us in some sort of transaction saying, well, well I, I will worship if I get this out of it, then, then we're, we're missing the point of what, what worship actually means. But, but the devil says all of this, all of this I will give to you. He's, he's dealing with something he doesn't even possess, right? That's the thing that's so broken about this whole situation is it's not like the devil owns all of those things to even be able to use that as a bargaining chip. Right? He's in some ways playing with house money in this moment that, that the devil is dealing with, with, with what he doesn't even possess, that, that God did not give him all the kingdoms of the world, right? He might have some, some like influence and those kinds of things, but they're not his. They don't belong to him that he's tempting Jesus at this point in the journey. He's tempting Jesus to, to play by rules that don't even reflect reality. Right? This tension, this conversation that's playing out, that, that the way that he's, he's working this conversation, it's like, this doesn't even make sense, but we're, we're engaging in this conversation. He's tempting Jesus to question the power and the possession of God in this world. 
right? Which is crazy because Jesus is God, right? That's, that's to, to think about how crazy that is, how much more for us to struggle with that, to, to look and say, well, is God really in control? Because I see things that happen and I'm like, how could a loving God allow that situation to play out? Why, why is the world the way it is? And, and we question the power and the possession of God in this world and, and the devil is like, yeah, keep doing that. Because the more I can keep you doing that, the less you're going to actually be able to, to live out the purpose that God has placed you here for. He says, if you will bow down and worship me. And there is, a, there is significance in the posture that, that the devil is speaking. That There's this posture of worship. When he says bow down, it's, it's not like we bow our heads to pray. Or, right? it's, it's, a, it's an act of, of, of failure. Right? It's a posture of failure, of brokenness, of, of shame, of weakness, of, of hopelessness. The devil is pressing him down, saying, if you will bow down, right? If you will admit defeat, if you will admit the, the failures and the brokenness and the shame and all those kinds of things, if, if you'll do that, right, then we're getting somewhere, right? This is the kind of worship that, that reflects this unnatural affection towards things that are just simply unworthy of worship. And yet that's where the journey, or that's where the, the temptation is taking him, to, to, to be tempted to, to be oriented fully around the things of this world with no promise of something better, just, just more of the same for us to feel that tension, for us to feel that temptation. We just want the pressure off, right? We just want it to, to feel like things make sense. But Jesus responds. He says, away from me, Satan, right? Be gone, be gone, Satan. For it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil leaves, right? That this conversation takes this turn, this, this temptation, this, this moment, this, this experience of the struggle, this experience of the battle changes and, and it becomes, uh, opens up a new chapter. And the devil left him, verse 11, and the angels came and attended him. There is this moment on the other side of struggle that when we're in the middle of the battle, when we're in the middle of the struggle that we can't even imagine, Right, that we can't even see it because all, we think, all we're thinking about is surviving. All we're thinking about is, is trying to make it just to the next, the next piece where maybe we can even just catch our breaths for, breath for a moment. If I could just get through this day, if I could just get through this week, if I could just deal with this one situation. And we can't even imagine that on the other side of the struggle, on the other side of this whole process, that, that, that there would be the angels that came and attended to him. That there is this peace that's brought, that, that God begins to, to put him back together. That it starts with this moment of saying, away from me. This is not true. This is not what's right. But it's a choice to say enough is enough. Right? For some of us this morning, we are facing the same battles over and over again. And we're trying just to keep our heads above water. And it's like, you know what? It's enough. Enough is enough. Be gone. I want God, not you. Right? Those whispers that tell us that we don't measure up, those whispers that, that tell us we'll never be more than what we are, those whispers that say, don't forget where you came from, don't forget that that's the thing that defines you. Enough is enough, be gone. I want God, not you. And so Satan leaves him and the angels come and attend to him. On the other side of struggle is this beautiful moment of God putting him back together again. Right? Can we imagine that for ourselves as well? So this morning, the challenge is this morning that the encouragement is for us to, to, to realize that what we're talking about is an invitation to flip the table, right? To, to, to lean into struggle, to lean, into, to lean on God to get us through, to, to not avoid the fight, but to actually fight to win, right? Jesus withdrew into the wilderness that he goes and knowing full well that there's going to be a battle that's coming. And he fights, but he fights to win, 
that in so many ways the temptations that Jesus faced, the temptations that, that he experienced were, were temptations to take shortcuts that would have allowed him to avoid the battle, that would have allowed him to, to avoid the struggle. But as followers of Jesus, or, or as those that are, that are imagining what it may, might look like for us to follow Jesus, to recognize that the footsteps of Jesus don't take us away from the battle, but take us into the battle sometimes, that, that take us into the struggle, that he's leading the charge. So how do we fight? How do we fight to win? And it starts with this. It, it starts with keeping the focus on our true identity, right? Who does God say we are? Because Satan in this, in this temptation is constantly whispering questions of identity, constantly whispering questions that would, that would cause Jesus to doubt. So we look at our own lives. If he's, if he's questioning Jesus and, and tempting Jesus to forget who he is, then how much more is he calling us to, to forget what, who we are in Jesus? to keep the focus, to, to keep reminding ourselves, to, to keep even reminding the tempter to say, this is who I am. Right? And it's not who you say I am. That we choose, part two, we choose transformation over security. And we choose transformation over security. That, that it's not just about safe places, right? There's, there's this sense of security because there's, there's security in the familiar, but the familiar has, has maybe not worked out so well for us. Can we kind of just admit that? That there's temptation to, to just go to, into the, what might feel like a safe place or a safe situation, but the reality is these temptations took place in, in some of those kinds of places that should have been safe places. This is Jesus' kind of prayer retreat in preparation for his earthly ministry, that, that this should have been a safe kind of place, and yet the battle shows up, yet the battle rages. So the question when we talk choosing transformation over security, the question is, what is it that we're going to run to? When, when the struggle shows up, when it starts to turn into a battle, what is it that we're going to lean on? Because what we run to matters, right? What it is that, that, we, that we chase after when, when things get difficult, the thing that we, that we go to, to to make us feel secure, or at least the, the familiar thing, might be the problem, actually. The, the things that we run to might actually be the same things that got us into trouble to begin with. Those same things that, that maybe help medicate the feelings that we have or whatever it is that, that the trouble that we might be feeling, the, the trouble that, and the, the struggle that we're facing may be a result of the very things that we're tempted to run to to make ourselves feel a little bit safer. Say, I want to choose something better. Right? I want to choose something that, 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 that's better than that. To choose transformation over security. To choose the better thing. And then third, we choose our battles, which doesn't mean that we only fight battles that we want to fight or that we, that we, you know, we, we have some sort of control over this situation. But, but the reality is some of us, some of us are fighting battles that we've already fought before, right? And we keep repeating the same patterns that, that we don't have to fight. First of all, we don't have to fight every battle that presents itself, especially, especially those battles that you've already won, Right, that we're taking these, these victories that, that God has brought us through and we continue to, to treat them like battles that we, continue, that we have to continue to fight and we fight the same battle over and over and over again. That we repeat behaviors, repeat, repeat certain decisions, repeat certain choices. That's like the reality is, the reality is God has already brought you through that. Why do we keep going back and fighting the same battle over and over and over again? To say, I'm, I'm not going to fight that battle. I'm going to move forward victoriously, right? That, that I'm going to look and say, this is a fight that I've already fought. That this is a fight that, that God has already brought me through. I'm not going to fight that same battle over and over and over again. Choose your battles. But it's not always about, about fighting the, the devil. This is the tension for us to, to think about because sometimes it's God refining us. 
right? Sometimes God has taken us into the desert so that he can grow us, so that he can help us thrive. That, that it's not always a fight against the devil, that, that sometimes, God, sometimes God uses the desert, that God uses struggles to grow us deeper as well. And so this is the tension for us this morning, is to discern that context. What's a fight and what isn't? What, what, what is it that we don't square off against, but we just simply learn from? God, what is it you're trying to teach me to, to take these struggles and say, there's a tension in my life. Is it something that, that's a fight, that, that is a battle that I'm supposed to fight, or is this something I'm just supposed to allow God to use to refine me? To recognize that, that Jesus is, the, the way he went through temptations is that, that that he leads the way for us, that he's leading the way through this process for us of transformation. And so it looks this way, three steps to it. The first is this, is to embrace struggle. To embrace struggle, to, to say, what is it that I can learn from this fight? Right? What is it that, that, I, that I learn from? It could be that this is something that, that God is, is, is refining out of me, that, that it's like, why is this, why is this thing, that, the thing that God seems to be taking me to? Or maybe it could be a question of, why is it that the devil seems to think this is an area of weakness? Right? Why is this the battleground consistently? What's going on in this part of my life? Or what is it that, that, that makes this seem like the, the place that the devil thinks is the easiest place to fight from? Or is this just simply a place that God's saying, there is, there is some shallowness here that I want to help you grow deeper in? To ask ourselves the question, if there's a battle or a struggle that we continue to face, why is it that that struggle exists? Why is this particular thing my weakness? We embrace struggle. We cling to truth. You say, what's my heart tuned to? What is it that, that, I, that I go to? Is it, is it God's word? Is it my identity in him? Is, what, like, what is my life revolving around? Right? When things get difficult, where do I run? What is it that I hold on to? Where's the, where's the ground on which my feet stand when I fight? So we cling to truth. Honestly asking ourselves the question, what does my life revolve around? Or what should my life revolve around? And then third is, is grow deeper grow deeper. That means maybe for some of us that's letting God sustain us in the midst of the battle. It could be that, that, that after the battle that some of us are, are weary from the fight and we're not allowing God to do the work to put us back together again, to, to allow that process to, to play out fully, to allow God to, to make us stronger for the next round, that we can look at struggle, we could look at the fight, and it's not something that we avoid, but we look at it and say, this is preparation for what's next. What is it that God's trying to grow me for? Right? What is it that, that's coming my way that, that, that God's trying to get me ready for? To make me stronger for the next round. And then to realize that when we go through this process, we recognize that we don't fight alone. Right? That, that, that it's not us versus God, but it's, it's, it's God and us versus whatever it is that we're facing. To fight, to fight to win, and to fight in a way that means that we're not alone. I'll close with this. We fight to win from our depth, right? We fight to win from our depth, but the enemy, the enemy chooses battles in our shallow places. And so this morning, the invitation is simple. Let's fight to win.